this morning we're going to read from chapter number five tonight we're going to read from the pentecostal text of ephesians chapter five that would be verse number 18. Ephesians chapter number 5, one verse, verse number 18. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. I want to preach on power that matches the hour. Power that matches the hour. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We pray and ask you tonight again. You'll speak to our heart. Through and by your spirit, by the word of God, we ask you, O God, that you would, what we preach this morning, that you would open our eyes and allow us to see, to see into the face of Jesus Christ. O God, that you would anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. I pray, Lord God, that whatever needs to be done, you'll do it in us, through Christ, by his riches and glory, by the power of the Holy Ghost. You'll meet every need. You'll touch and change every heart and every life. There are miracles that are needed, oh God, in this house. And I pray, God, that my mom and others can go home with the miracle of healing in their body. Those that are out that could be here but or, or would be here, I should say, but aren't here because of sickness in their body, I pray you'll touch Sister Darlene Rada. I pray, Lord, for Brother Vic Wilson. I pray... Brother Judge Sessions, I pray for others, Lord. Brother Eddie Morris, ones that need your healing touch. Sister Davis's granddaughters, I pray that as I preach tonight, the Holy Ghost, God would go out from this sanctuary and you'd minister healing. We ask it together in Jesus' name. Amen. I got a text from Brother Steve Cook today and said that Sister Nita's mom is very close to passing. And uh, I know she's been at home, bedridden under hospice care. And he said they were expecting her to pass today, and that all the family was gathered around her. I told him that we'd be praying for Sister Nita and her family. He said she's taken that well, because her mom's been suffering for so long that it'll be a relief to her to see her pass. But uh, I know uh, it'll still hurt when she loses her mom, so uh, let's be praying for Sister Nita uh, that God would comfort her heart. Power to match the hour. He said, again, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And that verse there, the latter half of that verse, gives us a command to be filled with the Spirit. So I guess we could ask the question in immediate response to the command, are we filled with the Spirit? And notice the the tense of the verbiage there is be filled. He didn't ask, have you ever been filled? But he said, be filled. That's present tense and active. Brother Roy Drum used to say, it ain't what you was yesterday, it's what you is today. (laughs) 
And I've lived long enough to agree with that. Amen. There are some wonderful past tense experiences that I have had with God and not only myself, but I've shared those experiences with others who no longer are even serving the Lord. You hear what I'm saying? I have been in some marvelous, wonderful, Holy Ghost-filled services and atmospheres with people that are no longer even serving the Lord. And so the writer says, be filled with the Spirit. That's every day, actively, present tense, being filled with the Spirit. So we must ask our question, ask ourselves the question, are we filled with the Spirit? Christ said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Life above the ordinary. Life above the common. That is a spirit-filled life. Amen. Do you have such life, abundant life, coursing through you tonight? When we talk or speak of life, we understand there's natural life That is breathing, our hearts beating, our blood is coursing. Then you've got carnal life that is delivered from Egypt, but walking in unbelief. These died in the wilderness. That's people that were bought and brought, that's delivered out of the bondage of Egypt. They were brought out, but the Bible said they died in the wilderness. Why? Because they were carnal. Amen. Meaning they walked in unbelief because they refused refused to enter in to God's fullness for their lives. They said that way is too hard. That way is impossible to attain. That way is too difficult for us. Giants in the land, fence-walled cities, we're like grasshoppers. It can't be done. It can't be attained. Caleb and Joshua said, we are well able to take the land. But the flesh said, it can't be lived. It can't be attained. So you've got natural life. Then you have what we call a carnal life. And then there is, of course, the spiritual life. Be filled with the Spirit. The Bible said, if we live after the flesh, we'll die. But if we, through the Spirit, do mortify, that is, put to death or crucify the deeds of the body, then we shall live. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So we understand there is a carnal life and a spiritual life. If I believe a spiritual life, then surely I must be filled with the Spirit. I want to look at three, I feel like, very important aspects of what a Spirit-filled life is because we definitely need power in this late hour in which we're living. So I want us to see the importance of a spirit-filled life. 
Uh, number one, we look at the command again, be filled with the Spirit. It's important first and foremost because the Word of God demands it of us. You say, why do I need to be filled with the Spirit? Because God said that you need to be filled with the Spirit. That's pretty simple, isn't it? It's not only an experience to enjoy, but being filled with the Spirit is and should be a command to obey. Our text does not emphasize a promise, but rather it emphasizes the command. Jesus said, if you love me, Keep my commandments. Fair, failure to fulfill this command of being filled with the Spirit represents an unwillingness to obey God, to follow through with what God said to do in my life. Failure to be filled is a life of disobedience. Disobedience is sin enough in the sight of God. You don't have to be a thief. You don't have to be an adulterer. Unto him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it becomes sin. I know that's, that, that's shotgun barrel straight. But I don't find in the New Testament where God gave that early church, you know, an option. You want door number one, door number two, or door number three? They all lead to heaven. He didn't say that. Right. He said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Wait, I say, for the promise of the Father. Amen. To obey, the Bible said, is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of ram. We hear God say, be filled with the Spirit. It then becomes my responsibility to seek after God for the infilling of the Spirit of God. That's on my part. God's part is to give. My part is to seek. My part is to ask. Number, number one, the importance of a Spirit-filled life is because the Word of God demands it. And also, or, or the word of God commands it. And number two, the work of God demands it. That's good. The work of God demands in church life, in home life, and in work life. In Acts chapter four and verse number eight, then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them. Well, I thought he got filled and Acts chapter number two, he did. But he got filled again in chapter number three. And he got filled again in chapter number four. Be filled with the Spirit. Why? The work of God will demand it. When you speak, when you witness, when you testify, when you work, when you sing, when you play, when you go, be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be healed with the Spirit. How that God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Amen. Everywhere Jesus went, there was with him the command and the demand to be filled. 
Acts chapter number 7 and verse number 55. It's not Peter this time, but this time it's the deacon Stephen. But he be full of the Holy Ghost. It sure seemed to me that God loved Holy Ghost filled anointed preaching. Before anybody spoke in Acts chapter 4, he made sure to tell us when they spake, they were full of the Holy Ghost. And before anybody spoke in Acts chapter 7, he made sure to tell us that Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost before he spoke. In Acts chapter 13, God's looking for a man and calls a man out. Says the Holy Ghost separated Barnabas. Amen. The Holy Ghost spoke and separated Barnabas. And then he said in Acts 13 and verse number 9, Saul, who's now Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost. In Acts 13 and verse number 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. You go from Acts chapter 2, 11 chapters later, and God is still filling the church with the Holy Ghost. So number one, we see the importance. If it was important to God that he would command it, uh, we see it's important to God because the work of God will demand it. It's commanded and the work of God will demand it. Number two, you see not only the importance of a spirit-filled life, but we see the implications of a spirit-filled life. When looking at the implication of what a spirit-filled life is, uh, you have to see an initial abandonment to the indwelling of the spirit. You, you view that by looking at the contrast, meaning the contrary side of the verse that we read, be filled with the Spirit. To not be filled with the Spirit is the opposite. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What he's saying is do not rely or depend upon outside influences or enticements, but with wholehearted abandon, yield yourself to the Holy Ghost. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. Meaning, don't rely on chemical dependency. Most people, they need to, they need to, to throw a drunk to have a good time. They, they need to they need to pop a pill. They need to shoot something in their vein. They need to smoke a joint or whatever they need to do to reach athlete. They, they need performance enhancing drug. They need steroids or some other kind to reach the goal. He's saying do not rely or depend upon outside influence or enticement but rather with wholehearted abandon, yield yourselves to the Holy Ghost. Yes. 
Give yourself to the infilling of the Spirit. Amen. You can't do it without God. But Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. How, pray tell, does Christ strengthen me? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That word power, dunamis. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Dunamis. Dunamis power is equated with Holy Ghost power. Be strong in the Lord and in his Holy Ghost power. Good preaching. Be filled with the Spirit. That is Holy Ghost power. Yield yourself with wholehearted abandon. Give yourself to the power of the Holy Ghost. When you look at it by comparison, Ephesus was full of drunkards. No wonder he would preach to the church, don't be drunk like them, but rather be full of the Holy Ghost. Men, drunk men, are wholly filled with and yielded to the influence of alcohol. That's what a drunkard is. He's wholly filled up with and yielded over to the influence that alcohol has upon him. Woo! They're drunkards to alcohol, but we should be wholly filled with and yielded to the power of the Holy Ghost. He's full of wine, I'm full of the Spirit. He's under the influence of alcohol. I'm under the influence of the Holy Ghost. He's staggering drunk and can't walk right. I'm full of the Holy Ghost and walking straight. Thank you, Lord. Is the Spirit of God in complete control of your life? Are we full of the Spirit? Totally Controlled by and under the influence of the Spirit. Not aware of your senses, acting childish and foolish, but wholly in the grip of and under the influence of His power. Amen. The Bible said, Grieve not the Spirit of God. And He also said, Quench not the Spirit of God. I want to tell you there's the implication of living a spirit-filled life. If you look at the the contrast of not living a spirit-filled life, then you're grieving him and you're quenching him. What is God asking of you? Yield yourself as a vessel. I want to fill it. That's what he's saying. At salvation, God purchased the vessel. At Pentecost, God filled the vessel. Amen. You also see, when we talk about the implication of a spirit-filled life, the continual abiding in the Holy Ghost. He said, be filled, which is present tense. Be actually means habitually, continually, and presently to ever be. So in other words, that word, if you substituted the word be, you could 
actually put, ever be filled yes. with the Spirit. Ever be filled with the Spirit. Man, that, that just sounds so much more definitive to me. Yeah. I, I, in 94, June of 94, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But God has since filled me. Yeah. More times than I could, that I could count. God has continually filled me. Amen. When I woke up this morning, God filled me anew with the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know, there's two things that prove we need to be continually refilled. We're, we're earthen vessels, and I can tell you we leak. Like everything else, that is called a container or a vessel, we leak. We break, we crack under pressure, and we leak. And number two, like everything else that's constantly running and going, we burn it up. We use it up. We pour it out. Something that's poured out needs to be filled back up. Anything you have after you pour it out, it's not a throwaway, you fill it back up. You don't throw the tea pitcher out when you pour the last glass of tea. You fill the pitcher back up. It's meant to be poured out and emptied every day. I ain't drank tea in two years. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But you, you get the point, the coffee pot or whatever it is you normally drink out of, you can't imagine throwing that thing out every time you empty it out. It, is, it was made and meant to be filled. God saved you and birthed you spiritually in order for you to be filled and not only filled once and poured out once, but to feel, be filled many times and poured out many times. Amen. So be filled, the continual abiding in the Holy Ghost. Uh, what is the secret to abiding? Obedience. In faithful attendance. In faithful and continual study. In prayer. In worship. In labor. In giving. That's how you continually do what God desires you to do in obedience. That's how you are continually over and over and over again renewed, revived, and refilled with the Spirit by simply doing those things in attendance, study, prayer, worship, labor, and giving. You keep on coming and God keeps on giving. You keep on doing and God keeps on giving. You keep on serving and God keeps on filling. God will give you power to match this hour. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. He gave the early church power to start the engine, so to speak. Right. Power to get the church going. He is going to give you and I power to get the church across the finish line. Yeah. It takes both. You got to start out of the block. You got to endure. And, and remain throughout the entirety of the race uh, and you need a last uh, burst 
to get you across the finish line. God has power to match this out. He's not going to let us limp across the line. He's not going to let us be found broke down on the side of the road somewhere. The occasional appropriation of the fullness of the spirit. Be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the spirit. One commentary says that it can also read, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but drink deeply of the spirit. Drink deeply of the spirit. Moments of unusual demand are going to arise in our life. And when they do, God will always match the hour with an equivalency of his power. There arose a great storm, the Bible said, and Jesus stood on the bow of the boat and said, peace, be still. And there was a great calm. The power matched the equivalency of the storm. This is a great storm. God said, fine. I'll bring a great calm. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yes, Praise the Lord. This is a loathsome disease. God said, said that I'll bring a, a marvelous healing. Right. Yeah, Moments of unusual demand are going to arise in our life, but when they do, God will match the hour with his power. In Acts chapter two, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. He that is a thirst, Jesus said, let him come unto me and drink. All through the ages, men were being filled to match the demand of the hour. In Acts 19, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? The book of Acts is a book of the Acts of the Apostle. And the reason why in nearly every chapter God is filling men with the Holy Ghost is because in nearly every chapter they were up against impossibilities. They were being thrown in jail. They, they were being, uh, 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 they faced martyrdom. They faced imprisonment. They were being stoned. They were, they were being persecuted. Why was God filling them with the Holy Ghost in nearly every chapter? Because they needed power to match the equivalency of the hour. If you're going to fight hell, God said, I'm going to give you power to fight it. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord lift up a standard against him. Standard of God is his power. Amen. The indications, not only the implication, but the indications of a spirit-filled life. We understand that the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. But if you take Acts 2 out of the equation, he said right there, in Ephesians 5, he tells them in verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody 
in your heart to the Lord. Not just uh, the internal evidence, uh, you know, that's uh, manifested outwardly by speaking in other tongues, uh, but you, you, you being filled with the Spirit's not all tongues, I can tell you. It's not all tongues. They went everywhere, the Bible said, preaching the word. He said you would speak to yourself in psalms. That's worshiping in your heart. That's praying to the Lord in your heart. He said with hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. And then they also, the book of Acts said, they went everywhere preaching the word. Those are all indications of a spirit-filled life. Singing is an expression of joy. And the Bible said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The first fruit of the Spirit of God is love. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. I'm talking to you about indications of a spirit-filled life. If there's no love, there's no Holy Ghost. Jesus said, a man says he loves me, but don't love his brother. Then he's not seen me and he's not known me. Oh, yes, sir. That's good preaching, Brother Eddie. Indications of the spirit-filled life. Uh, the first fruit of the spirit is love, and that love is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Uh, listen, the second fruit is joy, joy, joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Paul and Silas uh, prayed by, at, the, at midnight. They prayed and sang praises. I can tell you what happened. They prayed until they prayed through. They prayed until they prayed themselves happy. I can tell you two things happened. You can understand that when they prayed, they prayed until the Spirit came. You know there was some speaking in other tongues going on in that jail cell. And the Bible said, and they sang praises. And all the prisoners in the house heard them. Amen. I want to tell you that their love for God was not waned by the stop, the fetter, and the bleeding stripes. Their love for the jailer never waned. And also, they could not steal or take or rob them of joy. Hallelujah. I don't care if you're in a lion's den. I don't care if you're in a jail cell. I don't care if you're walking through the midst of a valley. God gives you power. That is the equivalency of whatever you're going through or wherever you're at. If you're in a jail cell, God said, I'll match your devil. I'll match you your jail cell. And I'll give them wall-shaking joy. Amen. Foundation breaking power to match the hour. Hallelujah. 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 Why did God do that? Because the situation required it. That's right. Amen. Sacrificing for Christ. Giving thanks always in verse 20. That's sacrificial. 
giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe we could have preached that on Tuesday night for, for Thanksgiving. Giving thanks always, that's sacrifice. I want to tell you the hardest time to give thanks is when you're in trouble. The hardest time to give thanks is when you're hurting. The hardest time to give thanks is when you're broken hearted. Giving thanks always, that's sacrificial. That's indication of a spirit-filled life. Somebody that's always grateful, always thankful, always rejoicing. Submitting, not only under Christ, but submitting for Christ. Amen. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Do you know an indication of a spirit-filled life when you see a wife in harmony and in submission to her husband, that's an indication of a spirit-filled life. Amen. Come on. Come on. Brother Joey said amen. Brother Corey said, come on. <laughs> I thought every woman in the house would say, that's right, amen. Right. <laughs> amen. I'm preaching to you about indications of a spirit-filled life. I can tell you the Holy Ghost never led a woman to be in rebellion against her husband. That's right. No more than the Holy Ghost ever leads a woman to be unfaithful to her husband. Yeah. You see a woman walking in unison with her husband in faithful and in humble submission under his leadership, that's the indication of a spirit-filled woman. The Bible said marriage is a type of Christ in the church. And God wants that church walking in unison and harmony and in faithful submission to him who is the head of the church. That's right. And he didn't stop there, did he? Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Husbands, love your wives and give yourselves for them. As protector, as provider, and as the one who can and will fulfill her need and her desire. It should please you to please your wife. Amen. Yeah. Happy wife, happy life. And every man ought to say, Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
Submission is one of the indications of a spirit-filled life. If a man is trying to fulfill his wife, is trying to make his wife happy, maybe his buddies say that he's henpecked. No, he's smart. They don't care if your marriage is busted up. They don't care if your life is misery. They don't care if you have a split home. They don't care about any of the things that matter when it really boils down to it. But the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost does. Amen. Why? Because the church is made up of the family unit. The family is ordained by God. Marriage, matrimony is ordained by God. Breakups, bust-ups, all of those kind of things. That's the work of the devil. But the Holy Ghost leads us as wives and as, and as husbands submitting one to another like we submit unto the Lord. Right. Indications of a spirit-filled life and last standing for Christ. Chapter number six, he walked on all the way through dealing with that husband and wife through the entirety of the remainder of chapter five, but he walks right into chapter number six and keeps right on. You get down to verse number 11, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Standing for Christ. God-given victory is an indicator of that life that is full of the Spirit of God. Yeah. Amen. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. That word power again is dunamis, Holy Ghost power. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, God's remedy for all of the things that we're standing against is be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Uh, when that enemy stands against you, I will give you power to stand back. Power, equivalent to match the hour. So we go all the way back Kirsten, if you'll help me. We go all the way back to the very beginning of our message. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Amen. Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Are we going it in the carnal, in the natural arena? of life, leaning on the arm of the flesh, are we making sure we're living a spiritual life, walking in the Spirit? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, walking in the Spirit, that we might not fulfill the lust of the flesh. As we walk in the Spirit, God said, I will give you power to match the hour. I don't know where you're at tonight. You need power to overcome sickness. Some watching at home or in that very place. 
God said, I'll give you power to match that debilitated state that you find yourself in. I'll give you power to believe, to believe God for healing. I'll give you power to get well when a doctor says you're going to die. Amen. Maybe it's you're hurt or wounded. Somebody said something or done something. I'll give you power to live and not die. I'll give you power to forgive when you want to hold on to the hurt. I'll give you the power to keep on trusting, keep on living, keep on going, keep on believing when you feel like quitting. I don't know where you're at. Whatever you're facing, God said, my power matches the equivalency of the hour. Whatever you face, God's greater. There was a great storm. There was a great calm. Amen. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Amen. God matched the darkest age in history with Calvary. God matched the thread against that early yearling church just born, just birthed. God matched the hour with the outpour of the Holy Ghost and they turned the known world upside down. When they threw him in jail, he shook the walls down. Hallelujah. When they faced death, he gave them power. The Bible said they threw John in a pot of oil, but the oil wouldn't boil. They couldn't kill him. So they exiled him to Patmos. God said, that don't matter. You put him on Patmos, I'll still give him enough revelation to to prepare my church for what's coming. Power to match the hour. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for those of us, oh God, that you've given health and strength to be in the house of God. Thank you, Lord. For those you've given the passion and the desire to be in the house of God. Every time the doors are open. Oh God, I pray tonight. We pray for vision this morning. We pray for power tonight. Hallelujah. I prayed you'd give me eyes to see this morning. To see my need. And tonight you've told me that my need is to be filled. My great need is for power. To match this hour, oh God, fill me. Fill me with your spirit is my prayer. God, whatever your people are facing tonight, I pray that the power of the Holy Ghost would be the equivalent for what they're up against. Oh God, when David faced a giant, you gave him power to overcome. Your people, oh God, tonight face spiritual giants. I pray, Lord, you'd give us the power God to match whatever we're facing tonight so that we can walk out of this house with victory. We can walk out of this house with joy. We can walk out of this house in the love of God that's shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Fill us again tonight as I pray. Would you meet me in the altar? Let's pray that prayer.